0: And the extra point is good.
1: Hour number two of the extra point on this Wednesday, November 1st. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortillaro here with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Passing along another reminder to you, Monday, November 6th. Time change here. The Dan Patrick Show coming to you live, seven to ten AM, followed by the Sports Home with Bob Kemp from ten to eleven. And this here program the extra point from eleven to one. So that time Get started on Monday. For now, Bob and I are with you up until noon today. Uh, Let's reset the scene with today's poll questions. It's a must-win Game 5 for the Arizona Diamondbacks as the Rangers currently have a 3-1 to series lead in the World Series. The question, KDOS1060.com's poll question, do the Diamondbacks win Game 5 and send the World Series back to Texas? Optimism continues. Yes, 62% of the vote. No, sitting at 38%. We will officially provide our answer around 1130 today. Tossing this on over to Twitter at AM 1060 We'll get into this here in a little bit, plus more from around the Arizona Cardinals. But did the Arizona Cardinals give up too quickly on Joshua Dobbs? And no leads the way at 78.3% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 21.7%. Also answer that around 11:30 today. Your phone calls, if you'd like to chime in, 602-260-1060. We'll do that around 11:15. So the Arizona Cardinals, the timeline of how we know things to be. Uh, Sunday's post game, you had Jonathan Gannon, head coach, addressing the media after the game, being asked if Dobbs is the starter on Sunday in Cleveland. His response was, "Yeah." Monday, Gannon meets the media again, says that after evaluation, it will uh, all come down to this week, whether or not Kyler Murray is healthy. He will start. If not, Clayton Toon will get the start. Tuesday, quarterback Joshua Dobbs is traded to the Minnesota Vikings. The cards traded Dobbs in exchange for a fifth rounder from Cleveland. That got things started about two weeks before the season got underway. Now, Dobbs is on the move again. Cardinals traded Dobbs in a conditional pick to Minnesota for a sixth rounder in
0: 2024. Yeah, I think uh, the question will never have answered. And if I'm the Cardinals administration or head coach uh, Jonathan Gannon, I wouldn't answer it either. But did he know on Monday that uh, there was a likelihood or a strong possibility that Dobbs was going to be traded on Tuesday?
1: Uh, You know, for me, I kind of look at this situation that it looks like Minnesota's quarterback situation with Kirk Cousins uh, going down with the Achilles injury, the other injuries that is on Minnesota's roster. So they certainly needed some quarterback help. Kind of bailed out the Cardinals here uh, just because of, You trade a fifth-round pick to bring in Joshua Dobbs. You move on from Colt McCoy. All of these things happening this season. The Cardinals sitting at 1-7. and Dobbs, 62.8% completion percentage, 1,569 yards, eight touchdowns, five picks, 17 sacks. He did have a lot of success running the ball, 47 carries, 258 yards, and three touchdowns.
0: That's true, and if you broke those down, the first like three games and the last three games, it would be you know some hope and then no hope. Uh, so there's that, and, and I agree with the running thing. Uh, some of those were design runs early in the uh, you know during the successful uh, Dobbs period, and I think a lot of the running success after that is he, he was running for his life because their pass protection, without question, has gotten worse as the season has continued with four of the same five starting offensive linemen
1: yeah it's kind of interesting how this you know last 10 week narrative has kind of gone where we were a little curious as to bringing in Dobbs how is this going to work he's been you know a career backup he's looked good in times where he's been asked to start what namely comes to mind is the emergency situation for Tennessee having absolutely no time to prepare he goes in and he plays he played well team didn't get the win though uh so then he comes here to arizona you're wondering just kind of how is it all going to unfold for him in such a short amount of time to get prepped and ready to go and then there were signs of optimism you thought this offense was was looking um at least better than maybe we have kind of anticipated here so there was a level of optimism and then to your point it had really tapered off
0: yeah but i actually think you know, i make jokes sometimes about the small sample size thing like i already have this hour or last hour i did uh so uh but this was you know kind of in the non-small small sample size you know with how many games are end of the season now i've got i don't keep Eight weeks. track anymore we're into week okay. nine now okay thank you very much i appreciate it i should get like a sign on my wall here you know, week nine nfl and change it to week 10 next week but I'm not going to do that. But anyway, um, but this is kind of what I've always thought about Joshua Dobbs. Uh, he's a good athlete, not a very accurate thrower, and that's kind of what he's become. And the more we see him, that's the more he is, and that's kind of what people thought.
1: So the Cardinals are moving forward here this week in preparation for a trip to Cleveland to take on the Browns. It was coordinators meeting the media yesterday, so here are some takeaways from offensive coordinator Drew Petting, it had to be asked and he wasn't going to say anything who was starting on sunday he says you know i can't answer that seriously it's something we are going to continue to work through during the week and it's a day-to-day thing and it's something we are talking about constantly uh so therefore it's coming down to kyler murray his health is he ready to go clayton toon rookie quarterback he would get the start if Kyler's unable to go. So the question to Drew Petting: what have you liked about Clayton Toon's growth? I think a lot of it is in the process, understanding the game, the nuances between the NFL game and the college game, speed of the game, variety of coverage, how the run game ties into the quarterback's responsibilities. I think a lot of that was new to him. I think he really embraced the challenge and learning that and committing himself to that. So it's been fun to see
0: yeah i guess uh you know i haven't been any of these practices uh he'd have to be a whole lot better than he was during the preseason uh if those things have actually occurred and uh maybe they have it's possible uh you know but i don't know how many real opportunities he's had in practice to do too much because i'm guessing he's had close to zero first team reps
1: more from petting how ready is tune to start his answer here is my goal is that everyone in that room on offense is ready to start at their position so the quarterback room is no different if it's kyler or clayton or anybody else our job as coaches is to make sure that when they are on the field they are 100 percent ready to go
0: yeah and keep in mind i was actually in favor when they drafted tune i thought it was a really good idea i watched quite a bit of him when he was at houston in college and uh uh, it was certainly worth a, an op, you know, a, a shot there, and uh, he certainly has a strong arm. Accuracy is another question. Uh, but you know, and rarely do quarterbacks improve their accuracy during their careers. Quite frankly, uh, it's been done. Uh, you know, certainly uh, you know, Josh Allen is uh, the first example that immediately comes to mind. I mean, he couldn't hit the, you know, the you know a river. Uh, or you know whatever you know, he, he couldn't hit water if it was right in front of him when he came out of Wyoming, and that's obviously changed a lot when he's in Buffalo, and there's water near Buffalo too. He just uh, he couldn't he couldn't throw the ball into Niagara Falls uh, when he first got to Buffalo, and uh, he's definitely able to do that now. <laughs> so there you go
1: drew petting was asked will kyler be active uh he says again something we will work through over the course of the week that'll be an organizational decision but we're not going to put him out there before he's ready then asked what does he need to show to show that he's ready Uh, Petsing says, I think you just hit on it. There are so many different aspects of it from an operational standpoint, from a decision-making standpoint, getting in and out of the huddle. It would be like someone going to play a regular season game on July 28th. That's essentially how many practices he's had. Getting him up to speed, getting him uh, ready to go, that's a big task. But when he's ready to go, he'll be out there.
0: Okay. Um, you know, just to, I'm going to use the same term I used earlier in the week. I think it would be coaching malpractice if he's out there on Sunday against a uh, Browns defense, which frequently hits the quarterback and obviously has sacked the quarterback. And then I had somebody ask me uh, uh, Monday, Monday night, in fact, uh, you know, who actually is going to have the best chance to pass block uh miles garrett in this game because humphreys has been bad in the last couple of games uh paris johnson's been bad so he's gonna just pick you know usually he goes to the what they consider to be the weak link in the defense and he usually lines up there uh he's got his choices this week
1: We'll get into the Browns defense here in just a second. One more thing on the the Murray standpoint is that, uh, you know, he has had plenty of time to, you know, get into the playbook. He's had plenty of time to uh, see that side of the the game of football because of the rehab process, because this is an entirely different offense for him being under sender a lot more and uh, just asked to do a little bit different than he has in the past.
0: Totally. Uh, I think that's a, uh... I would assume that uh, might be the biggest adjustment for him, you know, the offense part and the the fact that uh, they're under center more. I'm wondering if, uh, because Murray will be back, are they still going to be un- under center as much as they have been?
1: Very curious to pay attention to all of that. Uh, On the side of the Browns defense, Petsing was asked about them. He says, I think it's the way they play the game. It's a unique style in terms of the violence they play with, the team speed, the effort, the intensity, certainly the scheme that he's committed. He's referring there to Jim Schwartz himself too, over a long NFL career, done it at a really high level with multiple organizations. So it presents a lot of challenges.
0: And it just hasn't been Schwartz. Uh, you know, they've got some players, uh, same guys, that were there in the last defensive administration uh, who have played much better this year. Uh, they've got guys that I think have been coached up by their current defensive coaching staff. Uh, so if you've watched the Browns in the past and you thought, man, that guy I thought was going to be really good when he was in college and he hasn't been very good in the NFL – I think that uh, for at least a couple of their players, that has definitely changed this year. It seems like they're getting the most out of their talent this year on defense, which clearly they had not been doing previously.
1: Uh, from the defensive side of the ball Nick Rollis met the media as well we've seen the ebbs and flows as to who's playing the cornerback positions here Keitrell Clark was getting a bit of a run he was completely uh, a healthy scratch last Sunday so he was asked about Keitrell Clark's diminished role Rawls said we talk about it all the time roles can change throughout the year and Keitrell is going to be a huge part of us going forward he's a really good player with a bright future I feel pretty strongly about about that it's a good problem to have we feel like we have a lot of guys in that room that give us a good chance to win we are working different rotations each week might look a little different
0: yeah i actually listened to this this morning and when he said that i laughed out loud because uh, i don't think there's maybe any cornerback on this roster that is really an nfl starting level player including marco wilson Uh, I think that these guys are, to me, all backups on uh, most NFL teams, quite frankly. And when I heard the the abundance of talent, uh, I'm I'm paraphrasing, the abundance of talent in the cornerback room, I literally laughed out loud when I heard that.
1: Sticking with the cornerback theme, Garrett Williams, uh, rookie. He's playing in his second game after he returned from injury here. Uh, Really good is what Nick Rolla says. The fact that he is a rookie, that he did not get an offseason or training camp and is just stepping in in midseason, he doesn't look like what you'd expect. He plays with great fundamentals. He plays within the scheme, very sound, knows what he's doing. We put a lot on his plate, too. I feel like he's going to be a really good pro.
0: Well, this is the one guy that I think actually has a chance to be an NFL-level starter. They, he should be playing every snap of every game the rest of the season because you know, he didn't do anything, obviously, coming back from the injury at Syracuse. Did nothing in the offseason. Wasn't part of training camp, if I got that part right. Kayla, correct me if I'm wrong on correct. that. But I don't, I don't think he was. Okay, so I don't, he wasn't any part of that. So they got to find out you know, whether this guy can play or not. And yeah, you know, I, I you know I saw a little bit of him at Syracuse. I heard a lot about him, more than I heard, more than I read, than I actually saw. But th- he has a chance. Yeah, uh, you know, Marco Wilson might be a nickel back on a good team somewhere, but on this team, he's the number one guy. Uh, but Williams, I actually do think, at least uh, you know from what I've seen or heard before, combination thereof, has a chance to be a starting level NFL player.
1: And then finally here, what does Nick Rollis seem from the Browns offense? Uh, He says, I think since Kevin's been there, they do a great job of running the football. The O-line is one of the best in the offensive line. Coach Callahan, he's also one of the best in the game. So you couple that with a play caller who is willing to run it and good running backs. I know they lost Chubb, but still really good running backs behind that. They will find ways to buy angles and get numbers and stay ahead of the sticks with their run game and do a great job of marrying their run game with their keepers their actions and screens
0: yeah I think it's pretty difficult to evaluate the Browns offense at this point you know Stefanski and Rollis actually have a you know they were together sort of kind of on the staff in Minnesota uh, back in the day what do they call that quality control coach that's what Rollis was right Uh, so he wasn't really you you know I don't know how much quality control coaches are actually quote part of the staff uh, but uh, I think they do mainly just film work and breakdown stuff for the, you know, the coaches that are making decisions. Uh, but uh, so they, he knows them for there, but I, I don't know. I would be, I think it'd be very difficult to be a defensive coordinator facing the Browns right now because I'm sorry, but Tim you know, losing Nick Chubb is a monumental issue. Ford's had some good moments. Uh, he's had problems staying healthy, unfortunately, also, They've got Kareem Hunt, and I know that uh, fantasy players uh, think that he's actually their their best running back now, and uh, you know they acted accordingly in the waiver wire the last couple of weeks uh, with uh, with him. But I I think it's really it'd be very difficult to assess what we're gonna see, what they're gonna see, or you or anybody gonna see on Sunday from the Browns' offense because we really don't know who the players are.
1: You know, it's also curious, and I'm wondering what, uh, you know, Cleveland – Cleveland's perspective is on this because I think that we had the sentiment going into this season that this was a pivotal year for Kevin Stefanski and whether or not he would continue forward as the, the Browns head coach because there was some talent there. You bring in Jim Schwartz and he's done exactly what you would have hoped if you're a Cleveland fan to do to that Browns defense. Now it's about getting that offense but I'm not really sure how you evaluate this with uh, you know Deshaun Watson in and out of the lineup. We've continually talked about his inconsistencies when he's been in the lineup and then of course you know we both think very highly of nick chubb and the the serious injury that he suffered here uh, it just changes the entire dynamics of the offense
0: i agree i think it's difficult to evaluate stefanski and his staff because of that and i'll throw in also yeah, you know, conklin the right tackle who when he's actually been healthy which unfortunately has been not very often in the last two or three years he's considered one of the best players in his position i i if everybody's healthy, even if Watson go back to the Tennessee days, I think the two best players on this offense are Conklin and Chubb by far. Because uh, I don't think much of Amari Cooper, quite frankly, because he's sometimes spectacular and sometimes missing in action. And I don't think that's a Cleveland thing because we've seen three franchises now, the Raiders, the Cowboys, and the Browns, where Cooper is just shows up sometimes and other times he's invisible.
1: is the number if you'd like to chime in give us a call we'll take calls on the other side of the break the Arizona Cardinals prepping for their uh, morning contest against Cleveland on Sunday in Cleveland we'll dive into more around the NFL the Phoenix Suns falling to the spurs last night 602-260-1060 as well for your phone calls it is the extra point right here on kdos am 1060 online at kdos 1060.com and with the kdos 1060 app
0: We'll do what's best for the team and we'll do what's best for you the rich eisen show coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m here on kdus am 1060 and ktus 1060.com
1: welcome back to extra point on this wednesday november 1st bob camp kayla mortellaro here with you up until noon today as we typically do mondays wednesdays thursdays and fridays as a brief reminder, starting on Monday, time change. The Dan Patrick Show remains live 7 to 10 a.m. Followed by the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp from 10 to 11, and this year program from 11 to 1. That all gets started on Monday, November uh, 6th. is the number if you'd like to chime in. Some more things from around the world of the NFL today. Uh, This morning woke up to the news. Josh McDaniels fired as head coach from the Raiders. So, too, was general manager Dave Ziegler. Also this morning coming out that they're moving on from offensive coordinator Mick Lombardi. Antonio Pierce has been named the interim (laughs) head coach. The Raiders sitting at 3-5. and five. McDaniels didn't make it two seasons in Las Vegas. He didn't make it two seasons in Denver over a decade ago. I should also mention here news from this morning with Antonio Pierce being named interim head coach. Jimmy Garoppolo to the bench. Insert rookie Aiden O'Connell.
0: Yeah, Antonio Pierce helped ruin the ASU football program. Okay, that's, you know, I'm sure that's something... Uh, on his resume, uh, okay. Uh, as far as Jimmy G, obviously, uh, there's probably nobody in the world that is a less Jimmy G fan than me, uh, and uh, he's been bad. And uh, yeah, that was Josh McDaniels' personal choice and push for him to, uh, you know, for the Raiders to acquire him, and that's the only reason he's in, in with Las Vegas. Uh you know he's got all these incentives in his contract now to max out and he keeps uh, continuing to play I'm sure through injury you know cuz when we heard you know that back thing he was going to you know seemed like he might be out for a while and he was back within like 2 weeks uh even with all the missed time and you know, yeah you know, he's missed time in a couple of different games before he missed at least one full game he's thrown more picks than anybody in the NFL so far this season uh, so I guess I you know, get the Aidan O'Connell thing. Um, it's, you know, whatever. Um, you know, I mentioned uh, three years in a row, I've said that the Raiders, I think, have amongst the worst rosters in the NFL. I was wrong two years ago when they had the big playoff run. I think I was right last year. And I think I've been right this year. In fact, if you eliminate the Cardinals, they might have the worst roster in the NFL.
1: This is kind of... Funny, so we named off all these different things that just happened with the Raiders. They're hosting the Giants this Sunday. The Raiders are minus one and a half point favorites.
0: Somebody has to be favored. I mean, I, that's got to be an odds maker's nightmare. Uh, that game. Uh, what do you do? I mean, you just hope that they weren't playing each other, and you know, you try to. You, know, you obviously they'd be both. You, know, I would say, significant underdogs against almost anybody else they'd be playing this week. I'll add one other thing. I know Devontae Adams has been bitching and screaming and moaning. He should catch the ball and just shut up. Uh, he's dropped big passes in each of the last two games, which were losses.
1: There was one moment, uh, what was that, Monday night when they were on Monday Night Football, that they were on the second TV, World Series was on the main TV, and <laughs> uh, 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 there I happened to turn just in time to see, it was a low throw by Jimmy, but it d- still felt like Devontae should have caught the ball, and then I thought to myself, oh oh i guess okay that's that's not great then later i saw there was one uh moment where adams was literally there was not a defender in sight uh by at least six yards and jimmy overthrew him by a mile
0: actually there was another play where he threw adams was wide open and jimmy g you know threw it out of bounds by like 10 yards uh so it's uh you know, it hasn't been good, and obviously Adams, one of the reasons he was you know, happy to be traded to Las Vegas is because his college quarterback, Derek Carr, was there, and he's not there anymore.
1: So that was among some of the surprises for me as well. Devontae Adams not moved uh, with from the Raiders, but I guess there were other moves in place that were on the horizon for Las Vegas other things happening in the world of the NFL looks like there's going to be a new quarterback in Atlanta for the Falcons with Arthur Smith naming Taylor Heineke the starter for Sunday's game against the the Vikings.
0: Yeah, there was a lot of mystery going on last week about you know, needless to say, Ritter got concussed, or at least they thought he he got he was tested for a concussion. And then, uh, you, know, he, they, you know, they announced that he'd been cleared and they didn't put him back in the game. And after the game, or uh, you know, basically, uh, you know, Arthur Smith was asked, you know, why didn't you put him back into the game? And he said you know, kind of uh, – he, he actually, you know, endorsed him as his quarterback and said he'd be the starter. And, you know, Arthur Blank is some people – uh, once again, go back to my network insider thing. Uh, they have indicated, at least uh, at least one of them, has indicated that the only reason that Ritter was still starting is because you know Arthur Blank, the owner, said that he's going to be our starting quarterback, and uh, he was dictating who actually would be playing these games. Uh, so I guess you know, Arthur Blank has apparently seen enough of Desmond Ritter now. Uh, I would imagine after a couple of more games, he'll probably have seen enough of Taylor Heineke, Heineke at that point, the biggest thing for Atlanta, unfortunately for them, in my opinion, that makes a difference is their defense has actually, I think been good, especially if you consider all the bad spots that Ritter and the offense has put them in and, uh, Grady Jarrett out for the season uh, with the injury that he suffered on Sunday is a really, really big deal. I think that's a much bigger deal for Atlanta the rest of the season as to which one of these mediocre or not good starting quarterbacks is out there.
1: The fumbles, the interceptions in the red zone uh, just have been killer. I mean, obviously, just do the math. You take uh, an opportunity of six or, or three off the board and you get zero and you, and you turn the momentum the other way. But you, to your point, the Falcons' defense has certainly kept him in despite all of those red zone turnovers.
0: Absolutely, and uh, you know, not to mention all the inaccurate throws. Uh, you know, they've got some guys that are you know stud level receivers, uh, but you have to get the ball near them for them to actually make some plays. Uh, then you have an off- you have a head coach who's an offensive coordinator at heart uh, who wants to run the ball and it doesn't always seem to fit the personnel here.
1: Uh, In the wee hours of the morning, the Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel from Germany uh, mentioned that left tackle Teron Armstead's 21-day practice window is now officially open. So that is something to monitor for the Dolphins and whether or not they can get healthier on that offensive line. Also for them, safety Javon Holland is out of concussion protocol, so he is set to play Sunday in Germany against the, the Chiefs
0: do we know if farmstead even went to germany i'm guessing he didn't but that's just my guess
1: yeah i'm not i'm not sure that would be peculiar if you open his 21 day practice window and he's yeah. not with the team practicing
0: i can't imagine he's playing this week i mean like there wasn't it like two weeks ago they were wondering if he was out for the season yeah so um confused <laughs>
1: Uh, we'll we'll get into more NFL here later on. Transitioning locally with the Suns, they were hosting the Spurs last night. It was a 115 to 114 victory though for the Spurs. The Spurs had a 33 point fourth quarter. The Suns had a 19 point fourth quarter, and the Suns lost a 20 point lead that they held in the third quarter. Wemba obviously everyone always pays attention to to him and what he's up to in every single game he plays so far. Uh, 18 points eight rebounds, four block shots for him. Kevin Durant leading the way with 26 points on 12 of 19 from the floor. You'd have to think a couple of different things here. Uh, One without Devin Booker, once again for the Suns, without uh, Bradley Beal for the Suns Once again, those two coming back will certainly help. We've seen it a couple of times now in the early going of this season, some fourth quarter leads blown, obviously having those guys being a part of the rotation to close out games will help. Also, you had uh, a timeout situation and you also had uh, a Keldon Johnson taking the ball from Kevin Durant, scoring the game winner with 2.2 seconds left. Frank Vogel saying after the game, he fouled him and the refs didn't call it.
0: Well, you know, somebody should just wonder why Frank Vogel didn't call timeout and take the ball at half court. Uh, I'd assume everybody was wondering that. Uh, I was not watching the game live at that point, uh, quite frankly. After the card, after the, uh, excuse me, after the Diamondbacks game, I had moved from my office chair to my lazy boy, and I made it through about three possessions before I fell asleep in a lazy boy and woke up like two hours after the game ended. Uh, so there's that, but. Uh, Frank Vogel, not a big fan of his when he was especially the coach at Indiana and did not have LeBron and Antonio Davis uh, on his team, or Anthony Davis on his team, uh, after they were both healthy because there was the, the bubble year, and that's the only time he's ever won squat. Um, so I didn't like the hiring at the time. I don't think I'm going to change my mind this year on that unless he just turns out to be a fabulous coach. And I certainly I acknowledge the fact that uh, no Booker and Beal makes a difference in the fourth quarter, but in those the, the two losses that they've had, they've been they haven't stopped anybody in the fourth quarter. And Booker and Beal are not going to help them at the defensive end in the fourth quarter of games.
1: Uh, did the trick or treaters wear you out, Bob? You know, this may
0: shock everybody <laughs> out there. I'm sure uh, because a. I think that anybody that's ever met me for, like, three minutes knows that, you know, I really have no reason to like children. So that's the first thing. Uh, Two, uh, the apartment complex that I live in has become kind of a ghost town here in the last few months. So there's not that many kids around here, which is a good thing in a way. I sometimes wonder if this apartment complex is still going to be alive in, like, the next month or so. Uh, I got to go pay my rent here in a few minutes. So, so it's alive for at least today. Uh, but you know, shockingly, nobody knocked on my door last night somehow. And uh, that's a good thing because, uh, yeah, I would have like given them a pop tart or something that I have in my, in my, it's about all I don't know if that qualifies as candy, uh, but that's about the only thing I have that would be, uh, you, know, you know, qualify as for whatever. So I can't give them like frozen food things and things like that, right? That would have yeah, been no. Melt probably wouldn't
1: t- go over too well.
0: Melt by time they melt by the time they get home. So uh, so anyway, so that that's my uh, annual Halloween story. And there's probably not a human being on earth that thinks Halloween is more of a. I'm sorry, Kayla. I know you have a Halloween party every year. I'm completely the opposite. I'm I'm really kind of depressed that you've never invited me to your Halloween party, Uh, but nobody thinks less of Halloween than me.
1: That's all right. We had fun. Uh, I will say this.
0: Good, good. I'm glad you should. If you're going to have a party, whether it's Halloween or something else, you better have fun.
1: Exactly. I will say this, though, about one costume that stood out from last night here. It was very creative. Uh, So this kid did, like, his own shirt that was basically like a uh, basketball court, hand-drawn on a blank shirt, and then he... I'm not exactly sure if he taped it on or glued it on, but then he actually had a whole um, hoop on his chest, and then underneath the hoop was his bowl of candy that he was going around house-to-house collecting. So that was really, (laughs) really clever.
0: That's good. I did see one thing on the Big Ten Network yesterday. Somebody who apparently is a Michigan State fan was dressed up as Harbaugh and was wearing, had binoculars, <laughs> 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 stealing signs apparently. So I thought that was pretty funny.
1: That is good. Uh, we will get back to uh, more important matters at hand. The Arizona Diamondbacks game five. Uh, they're down in the series three one to the Rangers. Do they force a game six? back in texas we'll answer that question plus arizona cardinals quarterback situation joshua dobbs on to the vikings we'll answer today's twitter poll question as well that's coming up on the other side of the break here in the extra point
0: time in your afternoon for the Doug Gottlieb Show right here on KDUS AM 1060, 100.7 HD2, and KDUS1060.com. Weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m.
1: Bob, will give you an invite to the Halloween party next year if you promise to come <laughs> dressed up.
0: Oh, God. Uh, You know, I I went through this. I think I talked to Corey off the air yesterday. I don't even remember what I dressed up as when I was a kid because I didn't even really like Halloween that much as a kid. And that was large part because I've never been a big candy guy. So, you know, that was the reason you did Halloween. So I remember going out when I was like six years old or something. I'm sure my dad was thrilled about this uh but doing the neighborhood thing and i remember doing that part but i don't even remember what i was dressed as <laughs> so i just you know got, i grew out of that really quest i think i grew out of halloween is about uh, 10 minutes after i found out hopefully there's no kids listening right now about 10 minutes after i found out that santa claus was not really a guy
1: okay 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 all right Well. So, ju-
0: <laughs> sorry but that's just the way it is I, it, uh, I have lots of faults and those are two of them apparently all right invite rescinded uh well no you could still yeah you, know, you can do that well it's the first time i've been invited so i'm pretty excited about that okay part. okay so you have another party and for something else and maybe i'll be
1: enthusiastically knocking on your door all right sounds good <laughs> All right, KDOS1060.com's poll question here. Uh, World Series, Game 5 is tonight. You have Nathan Ovaldi for the Rangers, Zach Gallen for the Diamondbacks. Do the Diamondbacks win Game 5 and send the World Series back to Texas?
0: You have the wrong guy to ask. Other than yesterday, well, not just yesterday. I was right yesterday. I didn't think that uh, the bullpen by committee was going to work for them because the Rangers actually had a starter Starting a guy that started almost his entire career starting that game. I was right about that game, and I was also right about some of the Dodgers series too. But other than that, I really haven't been right about any of these Diamondbacks questions that we've had over the last what three, four weeks now since the playoffs started. So, like I said, I'm the wrong guy to ask. If I had to guess, and this is strictly a guess, I would say they're they're gonna win tonight. But I wish I could sit here and give you a long list of reasons as to why. I guess the best reason would be, uh, you know, I know that Garcia's not playing, but that didn't matter yesterday. And even Jankowski, who is known as a – he's a really good defender and a good base runner, but he even had two hits yesterday. So, uh, I don't know, you know, uh, would Garcia have had two hits? <laughs> so, you got Garcia's hitting third and Jankowski's hitting ninth uh, for Monday to Tuesday so that was a uh, you know certainly just a you know a lineup drop off you know obviously if you've ever watched them play it's a you know just a you know monumental skill drop off, but uh, so I I'm, I'm going to say yes but I wish I had a a better reason as to why but I don't have one uh, so there if I had the bet in this game last bet I could ever make in my life I would uh, bet on the Diobex, but I'd bet also the least amount humanly possible.
1: So, it's been a weird season this year for the Diamondbacks. So, obviously, they, I I think... Exceeded expectations of where this this team uh, was to start the season, and they kind of were able to keep it going. Then there was a bit of a lull, but then they answered back. After maybe the question turned to uh, have they kind of leveled off. Uh, Then you go into the All Star break, and after the All Star break, they certainly struggle coming out of that. But then they find their way again, rattle off some important wins. Then they struggle going into the end of the regular season and uh, get themselves in the final playoff spot they've answered in all of these different scenarios but the point is is that there has sometimes been stretches where it's been uh, lengthy before they answer back they don't have that ability to have a lengthy period of time before they answer back it's today they have to answer back today we've seen that in the postseason though so far and especially in that Philly series uh, I should have confidence with your ace going on the mound in Zach Gallen, but the struggles I, I think are hard to ignore of of late of the last couple of months the struggles of the first inning I I think it's important to get a lead in this particular series make sure that the crowd is still engaged in this series and in this game I think jumping out early uh, is really key and is really critical here to your point of what we were discussing earlier I do think Gallen has to go deep into this game uh, and kind of set things up like it was in in a, a game number one where you go to your thompson your ginkle and your seawald so you're activating that part of the bullpen here they've done it before i don't know if i'm as confident as i was before when i said they're gonna do it but i'm gonna say yes they're gonna win and this series is gonna go back to texas
0: yeah that's true i'll add one more thing i don't know if you know taking the crowd makes much of a difference because you texas is undefeated on the road in the postseason basically
1: the masses are on the yes side of things here at uh, 67% of the vote. No sitting at 33%. This is KDOS1060.com's poll question. Tossing it on over to Twitter, add KDOSAM1060. Did the Arizona Cardinals give up too quickly on Joshua Dobbs? I'm going to say no. Uh, he's 1-7. I think he exceeded what I thought the ceiling was when he first arrived here. Then it kind of started to taper off, and he was back to the offense moving along the way that I anticipated it before the trade was made. I think it's it's time if, if Kyler Murray is back and healthy and ready to go. It, it's Kyler Murray's team, whether it's for the reasons that you 100% believe in him being the quarterback of the future or whether or not you're on the standpoint of we have to see if he can be the quarterback of the future. So it, it's time to, to move forward. The whole thing is just kind of peculiar and you kind of take a step back and just say wow did all of this really happen with the the decision to move on from colt mccoy bringing in joshua dobbs trading a fifth rounder for him and now here before the trade deadline he's not even on the roster anymore that part is a little wild
0: that's true. Well, flipping the roster is you know, you know no matter what the position seems seemingly with the Cardinals is kind of what we've seen a lot of this year, and that's kind of what we've expected. Is a uh, long you know, really I don't know if we ever thought it was going to be this extreme in January when it was obvious that we were going to start over and start from scratch and let everybody go that was under kind you know there was any kind of contractual obligation to them. Uh, with the exception of Murray, who you can't let go because they're paying away too much money for too many years. Uh, so the best thing, as I've said many times that could happen to the Cardinals this season, is whenever Murray starts playing, from now to the end the rest of this season, if he shows he's a competent or you know, average, even average NFL quarterback, maybe you can trade him in the offseason. He's probably gonna have to be better than average because the other team's still gonna have to pay him. Ironically, uh, as you know, Back in the summer, there was uh, you know, speculation in Minnesota that they might be interested in trading for Kyle Murray at some point because nobody, even before the uh, Kirk Cousins injury on Sunday, thinks, uh, at least I uh, can't imagine this has changed, that nobody's really thought that he was going to be back in Minnesota next year. Uh, so we'll see. I stole this question from ESPN yesterday during their two-hour draft coverage show. Uh, so, uh, you know, if anybody can, wants to say this is a bad question, that's just completely where I stole it from. I agree with you. I don't think they gave up too soon on him. I don't think that Clayton Toon is a starting quarterback in the NFL, but you know, might as well, you know, give him a shot. And What the heck? What's, uh, maybe if it's just for one week? Uh, I don't know what you can do in one week to change your opinion, uh, uh, you know, for the organization to change their standpoint on Toon. But whatever. But, you know, I don't think uh, I've seen enough of Dobbs and, you know, somebody that watched college football and obviously his games last year. And even in the game last, the last game, the the last game of the regular season at Jacksonville, uh, the Titans were only in that game because, you know, Trevor Lawrence was bad. And they got, I think they got a defensive or special teams touchdown in that game, if I'm not mistaken. There was a there was a special teams play or a defensive play that turned that game around and gave them a chance to win. It really wasn't anything the Dops did.
1: The masses are on the no side of things here at 78.3% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 21.7%. This is on Twitter, at AM 1060 We'll have to see. Are we going to have more um, injury report drama this week to try to read the tea leaves as to what it means and whether or not Kyler Murray's starting?
0: Well, you're the one reading the tea leaves. I just don't pay much attention to it. And when uh, when they have an active list or an inactive list or somebody actually announces something on Friday, I don't really pay much attention. Whether it's the Murray and the Cardinals or anybody else in the league. There's a reason, thank God, that they have this inactive list uh, in 90 minutes before every NFL game.
1: I feel like we're not going to know. Like, the team's going to know, but we're not going to know until 90 minutes before on Sunday.
0: Okay. So, we, we, we'll find out. Uh, hopefully, we'll know something at some point. Listen to rewards for you with the KTUS
1: 1060
0: app. Download today to hear all of the national and local shows you love. That's the KTUS 1060 app.
1: Segment of this Wednesday, November first edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Bob, the 2024 football home schedule: BYU, UCF, Kansas, and Utah. Those are the Big Twelve opponents that ASU will face from. Uh, um, wow. Yeah, Arizona. One more
0: time. One more. One more
1: time on that. BYU, UCF. Okay. Kansas, and Utah.
0: Oh, okay. Well, UCF and BYU are highly disappointing this season, so bring them on.
1: On the road for them in 2024, the U of A, Cincinnati, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, and Texas Tech.
0: Well, we already saw the Oklahoma State thing (laughs) this year, and uh, that's when Oklahoma State was terrible, and now they're actually really good because they realized, we got a really good running back, and maybe he should play. (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's also interesting because they just did a home and road and now they're in the same conference together.
0: That's true. I forgot. Yeah, they lost to them. They've lost to them twice. So that's double revenge for (laughs) ASU.
1: I've rambled long enough. It's thank you time.
0: Okay, I'll see if I can, you know, continue here after the stunning the, the, the Big 12 schedule there for next year. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever. And whatever else slipped through the cracks, also our guest today around college football, including a CFP Week 1 analysis from David Kenyon for Bleacher Report. Also got into you know, some of the big games this weekend. And unlike last weekend when I was less than enthused, I am looking forward to this Saturday in college football and the NFL for that matter. Uh, some good games on Saturday and Sunday, hopefully. Uh, at least we think they're going to be, so we'll see if that happens. Sound of the day courtesy of Fox, TNT, NBC, and CBS. And as always, special thanks to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. My bad. I didn't realize we were up against it like that. Sorry. I rambled on too long.
1: That's all right. Game five tonight. Rangers lead the series 3-1. Nathan Ivaldi, Zach Allen, 5.03 p.m. First pitch on Fox as always, we appreciate you taking time listening to us right here on KDOS AM 1060. Have yourselves a fantastic Wednesday. The Sports Zone with Bob Kemp gets things started tomorrow at 9 a.m.